Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we have James Holst back on the show. We had James on a couple months ago uh, talking about lithium batteries. James Holst, the longtime host of In-Depth Outdoors on television. Uh, you can find a lot of that content digitally on YouTube, You know, In-Depth Outdoors. Great show. It ran forever and uh, very educational stuff. And James, although he doesn't you know, host and 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 that and and do the TV thing anymore. He works for a lithium battery company that uh, you know designs, produces, uh, and sells lithium batteries in the fishing world. And that's what this conversation is about. If you didn't go uh, go back, I believe it's episode two thirty three. That is technically a guess, but I think it's true. I think it's episode two thirty three. Either way, just look back a couple uh, like like ten eleven episodes, and you'll see the first conversation I had with James. Uh, where I think the title of it will say something along the lines of lithium batteries. Listen to that first if you haven't, and then listen to this conversation. This conversation is really a continuation of that where we got so much feedback. Like, I didn't even know what kind of feedback I get. We got so much feedback um, that was really cool, fun, and interesting after that first conversation. And so we kind of dig a little bit deeper and revisit some of the topics that we, we addressed in that first conversation James also does a phenomenal job uh, kind of taking us even to the next level and addressing a few new things, um, you know, as far as like, you know, the lithium battery world, just educating us as anglers, helping us decide if, if, if we're the type of person that ought to be thinking about something like this at the same time, you know, just uh, 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 sort of helping us with those buying decisions, what we should be looking for specifically in a battery and maybe its capabilities and a brand, you know, uh, you know, picking a company or, or somewhere that that is making good quality batteries. So, you know, something that um, you can become loyal with. And, and I don't want that to sound like we're just promoting the batteries that James and his company makes. It's not like that at all. This is not like a promotional thing. This is not like a paid partnership in any way, shape or form. James's education in this James's information is something that you could take to the bank and 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 go pick any battery for yourself. And I think that we're just going to make ultimately better buying decisions that we're going to be more happy with after knowing some of this stuff. And there's not a lot of it out there with the marketing. There's a, The marketing in, in the lithium battery world is just the Wild West, man. I mean, every one of us can say, if you've watched five minutes of YouTube or, or fishing on television, you've seen a lithium battery company commercial. And uh, there's just so many of them. If you go online, you can fi- find lithium batteries all across the globe. Um, but that being said... Uh, you know, uh, these conversations with James Holes are very important to help us understand which ones are legit uh, and which ones, um, you know, maybe we could save our money and, uh, and go somewhere else. So that being said, this is a great conversation. Continuation of the last one. What I'll say is this before we really get into this. What I'll say is this. The feedback after that first conversation was just so fun. It was really flattering. It was just it was just really great to have everybody kind of jump in with with. Um, you know, some great feedback. So I really want to ask, I really want to call to action everybody that's listening to this. Let's let's keep that feedback coming because it's very influential. Guys like James need to hear from you, uh, you know, so that when he's figuring out, developing, designing the next product, the next lithium battery lineup that uh, is going to be for anglers, we need to know what people want. We need to know what your questions are, really, and your experiences even. Um, and I like hearing that stuff just to kind of 
you know, plan more podcasts and, and, and talk about the things you guys want to talk about. So, you know, I really want to emphasize the feedback on this one. Listen to this, listen to this episode. Uh, if you haven't already listened to the first one first, listen to them in order. And the first thing that pops in your head, whether it's something skeptical, whether it's something, you know, you just really want to question, we didn't get into it further enough. Like whatever it is, Maybe it's just a personal experience that you've had, good or bad, or or just just anything lithium battery related. Please reach out to James. He, he'll he'll give his email in the interview. Um, I think it's if it's not in the beginning, it'll be at the end for sure. Wait around, listen for that. Uh, get James' email. We want to hear the feedback, um, or just DM us on social media, the JMO Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Send us a message. I just want to hear what you guys think. And your questions, your personal experiences. What are some, what are some lithium battery questions that you have? Because the, at the end of the day, it's tremendous value for us to learn how this lithium battery works. Because in the future, as much time as we spend talking about forward sonar and fishing topics, um, you know, and and just t- everything that we spend our money on, as far as electronics, um, whether you're powering a boat and everything inside of it, or whether you're powering a fish house and everything inside of it. Right down to charging your cell phone and everything everything that draws power, kicker motors, trolling motors, um, ice castles that have TVs and and live scopes in them. Like again, like all that stuff. The future is lithium power and and talking about ice augers, electric ice augers. I mean, all this stuff is moving so fast. We all got questions. We all got experiences. We all have some sort of you know some sort of uh, preconceived idea or relationship with lithium power in our arsenal in some way shape or form and uh, this is an opportunity your feedback to James is an opportunity to have a real influence on the industry and letting guys like James know what you're thinking the questions you have your feedback has a tremendous influence on you know how they decide how James and his company would decide what the next product is and and what to design and and uh, what to what to bring to market and uh, those things are very important and you have a real real opportunity i just want to really emphasize that that your guys's feedback was really cool after the first one and let's keep it going so without further ado let's get into this we're going to go even deeper even more in depth into lithium batteries with james holst let's do it everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors wouldn't it be great or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much. The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov slash jobs. This episode of the Jable Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is a one-stop shop retailer with all your outdoor needs covered. Shields has all the top brands on inventory in every department and a knowledgeable staff known for great service. With over 30 locations across the country, you can find the nearest store by going online to shields.com. 
If you can't get to a store, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So once again, head to Shields.com for more detailed information. That link is in the description of this podcast. Lithium batteries, we we talked about it before, kind of got an introduction to you and, and, and where you're at in the industry as it goes with lithium batteries. The feedback I got from the last one was um i would say the majority of it i kind of tried to bundle stuff together most of the feedback that i got that was like kind of the most articulate kind of the most uh you know the the majority rules if you will revolved around house batteries or big you know uh batteries that can power everything uh you know a spectrum of somebody you know with an ice house um you know wrote in and was like is there a battery that i can replace my generator with that can run two live scopes in my in my ice castle and you know still you know power everything around and charge cell phones and and a small tv and all that sort of thing right down to you know people that were just really interested in the small batteries that you know uh, can just power some led lights in their hub shack but also plug their cell phone into but it was really like house battery along those lines like where do we start where where do we talk about like where's the industry at you know where where's the lithium battery industry at as far as the selection on that type of power well before we get there i just want to you know thanks for having me back me back i mean uh, i, I got to agree that um the you know, the feedback was phenomenal. I answered a lot of questions by email. I remember I ended our previous podcast by, you know, just extending the offer to, you know, if somebody had any questions, send them to me by email, I'd answer them. And uh, I talked to a lot of folks. So uh, that that tells me that uh, there's a lot of interest out there. And, you know, your topic of um, house batteries, you know, it makes perfect sense because, uh, what we're seeing in the industry is more and more anglers kind of re- recognizing two things. One, it takes battery power to make all the cool stuff work, right? Whether you're, you're on the ice or whether you're in a boat, um, you know, forward-facing sonar and, and you know, big uh, screens, big sonar screens, those devices are really power-hungry to the point where anybody that's tried to power those devices off of like a lead-acid battery, they realize really fast it doesn't work. And, uh, you know, the, the second thing that is really driving anglers awareness of that house battery is if they've tried to do it with a lead acid, they probably tried to draw all that power from their starting battery. And the net result is they end up stranded out there on the water because these sonar units are so power hungry, it doesn't take any time at all before you exhaust, you know, even like a group 31 lead acid. It can be done two hours uh, if you have three, four, 12-inch screens in your boat. So that's where this topic, you know, is getting the wind, uh, you know, uh, beneath its wings. There's just a lot of people that have experienced it, and they're just all looking for solutions. And the only solution in town right now is lithium batteries because, you know, you could do it with lead acid if you were willing to tolerate the weight and if you had enough space for, you know, three, four, five lead acid batteries. But nobody does. So that, that's how lithium's kind of become the only game in town. So I would say right now, as we're approaching uh, the rigging season, the boat rigging season, I would say half of our sales right now are going towards house batteries. 
So um, let, I mean, let's talk about uh, what that means in a boat. We'll start there. I know it's this is the ice fishing season that never happened, but let's talk about it in a boat. What what happens is, you know, as as I mentioned, you get a boat with three or four, you know, even more big graphs, forward-facing sonar, you know, mega 360. These setups will draw 15, 20 amps continuously, 20 amps in an hour, you know, and where guys have tried to just use their one starting battery, as I mentioned, within a couple hours, it's just flat dead. And that's just a, a risk that most anglers aren't willing to accept. So what they do is they leave their lead acid starting battery or AGM or a lithium starting battery, and they put very few accessories on it. And accessories, I mean, you know, pumps and radio and light and, and, and sonar units. And they move that over to batteries that are dedicated to the purpose of providing that power to the house, to, to power the, the sonar units, the, you know, the mega live sonar module, or the, excuse me, the uh, live scope sonar modules, uh, lights, that, those kinds of things. And what, it provides a measure, measure of safety. You're not drawing down your starting battery. That's kind of set aside and preserved. And then you're running those devices, those power-hungry devices, off of lithium batteries that, that operate at a higher voltage. And that really gives you two things. Uh, anytime you run a, a device at a higher voltage, it's going to run more efficiently. Um, if you power something at 12 volts um, versus, say, 15 or 16, uh, the runtime difference per amp hour is about 20%. So, you know, this is a case of it, people are starting to understand that not all amp hours are created the same. At a lower voltage, you're not going to see the runtime that you will at a higher voltage. And the other really nice thing about lithium batteries is the the discharge curve. You know, once you when you start a discharge curve, the battery is fully charged. You place a load on it, and the voltage in a lithium battery stays very flat. It doesn't just start to drop precipitously like a lead acid battery will do. So what that means is um, you're going to have the longer runtime but you're not gonna see huge drops in voltage that can affect the performance of your sonar equipment. So it's really kind of uh, the best of both worlds. You know, you get uh, uh, longer runtime and your equipment operates more efficiently. So that really in a nutshell is what's driving this topic. Why are anglers interested in adding batteries? It's out of necessity and there are some incredible advantages that we just discussed for doing so. Yeah. And I think, you know, even like going back to that first conversation we had and right here where we, where we're at in this conversation, like one of the most impactful things to me personally, and I think, I think other people can relate was like just sort of the eye opening description of how like lead acid batteries can't handle that kind of behavior either. Like when you're drawing on them, when you're, when you're running them flat every time you go out, which you know, uh, and then to be fair, you know, a cranking battery, they start an engine just fine. They run the alternator like, you know, the big engine. Like if we leave them alone, this is, we're not bagging on that, you know, that uh, that we're all done with that type of battery power in a guy's boat either. Right. Like like that's there. But when you don't when you're treating it wrong, when you're when you're adding graphs to your boat and you don't know what you're doing, you're creating the more problems, more discomfort like. Like, that's the wrong tool for that job. You're asking it to do uh, in no way, shape, or form what it's designed to do. And that was really impactful for me because it's like, 
you know, you spent, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend the money, you know, how am I going to spend my money? How, how do I create this buying decision? And is this something for me? It's like the lithium battery is the right tool for the job. When we're talking about all this, this house batteries, this dedicated power, like it's the right tool for the job and the cranking battery is the right tool for starting that motor. When you start getting your wires crossed, like, like, you know, you're just, you're just damaging those those lead acid batteries and you're creating more problems and, and and aren't we trying to talk about solving some problems right like I just thought that was really impactful to me I guess I just wanted to throw that out there like maybe there's like a, a descript you know more more descript answer a, a, on your end as far as that goes but that's just I feel like that's got to be meaningful to people when they think about like well I don't need to spend all that money on this lithium battery everything seems to be running fine I've never been stranded out in the boat you have no idea that you're just like crippling, you know, you're, you're crippling that cranking battery, that lead acid crank battery. Like, like you're just, you're shortening its life even. So like those are dollars, you know, that, that stuff adds up after, you know, five years and two cranking batteries or, you know, seven years and three or four cranking batteries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about it real briefly. We'll revisit the topic. Uh, Lead acid batteries are a really good product. If you use them the way they're intended, um, if you draw, say, less than 25% of the capacity off a lead-acid battery, like to start a motor, and then you immediately put that energy back, lead-acid batteries work really, really well. Uh, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I just want a battery that's going to start the motor, I'm not going to put a lot of accessories on it, lead-acid battery is pretty cost-effective, and it's going to last a long time. But where we run into issues is because of the increased energy needs of the larger sonar units more units on the boat forward facing sonar as soon as you start to pull consistent you know 10 amps 15 amps 20 amps from a lead acid battery what most guys don't realize is when you draw that lead acid battery down below 50 percent you're murdering it i mean it was never intended to be used that way and that's why when you talk to guys that run lead acid batteries there's like two camps one camp says, man, my lead acid battery has lasted forever. It's awesome. I would never change. And then you've got the other camp, the guys that are kind of misusing them, whether it be for trolling motors or, or uh, you know, from a starting battery standpoint where they're just drawing too much uh, uh, energy out of it. Those guys are just like, hey, these things fail. I, I'm replacing them every season and a half. I don't know what's going on. It's hard to blame the battery because you're just misusing it. Lead acid batteries, when you draw them below 50% capacity, you're doing damage. And I know when I was back in my guide days, I literally wouldn't quit the day on the water until the trolling motor started to turn slow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I would be lucky to get six or nine months out of a set of batteries. And of course you'd blame the manufacturer Oh, you know, manufacturer X just isn't making batteries like they used to, but it's, it was because I was misusing the product and there wasn't the information out there to explain what was going on. Now, you compare that to a lithium battery. Lithium batteries do not care if you draw it down 50%, 60%, 70%, all the way to 100%. It doesn't damage them. Um, so that's why it makes so much sense if you're going to power a trolling motor or you're going to use lithium batteries uh, to power the house, you're really not in a position where you're misusing the product. You don't have to worry about, ooh, am I drawing down those expensive batteries deeper than 50%? Am I shortening its lifespan? Lithium batteries don't care. That does. It's just not a consideration with that type of battery. So, um, you know, to your point, 
Lead acid isn't dead. It's not going away when used correctly, but we're asking batteries to do completely different things now. And it's all due to, you know, huge sonar units, multiple units in a, in a boat, forward-facing sonar. And if you're a guy that doesn't have that on your boat, you probably don't need lithium batteries. But if you're gonna try to run two, three, four big screens with forward-facing sonar, you will run into this issue if you try to run it on a lead acid battery. You know, talking about one thing that I had written down here, you know, was just sort of like cost, you know, um, it's sort of, it's a note. I really didn't get a lot of feedback, which was kind of a surprise to me. People really don't care how much, how expensive these things are. I feel like I'm maybe like the only one that got sticker shock a few years back when lithium came out, but I feel like people have the budget to, to have these things. We just need to educate them on this like we're doing. But as far as cost goes, I feel like the topic that we, that might be useful to talk about is like, where does that cost come from? Tell me a little bit about, you know, how you build these things for this type of job and, and what people should be looking for kind of like, you know, what, what can they look for when they're, you know, trying to buy a good battery? You know, we, you know, again, we talked about it last time, you know, I think you said it, you know, there, there is a good, better, best in the industry. And, you know, we kind of got to, you know, maybe look at some of the fine details of, uh, or, you know, the fine print on the box or whatever, but, um, but on your side of things, you see production, you see like sourcing components, like, like, tell me a little bit, educate me a little bit on that side of the industry. Like, you know, these things are expensive. Are we just paying for a technology or are some of these components really, you know, just actually expensive and hard to get? Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. I mean, your point, good, better, best, 100% on the mark. I mean, you can go out right uh, on the internet right now and you can find a $300, um, you know, 100 amp hour lithium battery and i'll tell you what uh, what we do when we um, uh, build a battery we're looking to provide a battery that's going to last a long time 10 years that's kind of our that's our goal right and it needs to be super safe and it's it needs to over the lifetime of that battery uh, provide the energy that we say it's going to 100 amp hour battery needs to provide 100 amp hours of power so when, when you look in the inside, and this is this is kind of like the, the 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 difficult part of understanding good, better, best when it comes to batteries. On the outside, they all look the same, right? A battery case is a battery case. A Group Thirty One uh, case is they're all approximately the same size. But when you start to take them apart, what you notice is like on the bottom end, on those really cheap um, um, lithium batteries, they're built so poorly internally. Uh, what we see is they'll have cells spot welded together and wrapped in packing tape. And I'm not exaggerating. Oh man. And that's, it's a horrible scenario for multiple reasons, right? So the packing tape dries out and gets brittle over time. It cracks, it starts to break apart. These cells, I mean, we, we build batteries where we're very focused on safety. And one of the biggest no-nos in building lithium batteries is you have to provide a minimum space between cells so heat doesn't build up and if one of the cells goes bad the 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 heat doesn't propagate to the cells next to it so you start looking around online and they'll tell you that kind of like the minimum spacing should be between two and four millimeters doesn't sound like a lot but it allows air to move and it keeps one cell from touching another and those really inexpensive batteries what they do is they literally 
stack the cells on top of each other and then wrap them in tape and then encase them in foam. It's a really lousy way um, to build a product that's going to last more than a couple of years. Quality of cells, uh, huge variations in the quality of cells that you buy uh, when you're you know, building a battery. On the low end, there's manufacturers that we know of that are using um, cells that have essentially been rejected by EV battery manufacturers, you know, the people that are building cells for electric vehicles, they have, you know, very high quality requirements. And if cells don't meet those requirements, they get kind of thrown in a pile. And there's companies out there that literally target those piles of rejected cells so they can use them in their batteries. Uh, the other one that we see fairly frequently is when we disassemble a battery, we'll see all the serial numbers scratched off. And what that means is that's a recycled cell. <laughs> the, the product that it was in previously, um, the user deemed that product, it was time to recycle. And then somebody found a way to obtain these recycled cells and they put them in the battery. So on the bottom end, uh, there's definitely some uh, shenanigans going on and people will over time realize it. On the top end, we are committed to, I mean, these are the batteries that are in my boat, right? Uh, when I run 50 miles out into Lake Superior, hammering four or five footers, I don't want a battery that where the cells are wrapped in packing tape. I want them secured in a, uh, a rack um, that is not only uh, holding the cells left and right, but it's also supporting them top and bottom. And it's keep, you know, keep retaining that space we need for safety and cooling between the cells. So, I mean, that's just one example of just kind of the attention to detail. If you're gonna build that best product, you're doing things very differently than companies that are kind of just looking to compete at the bottom for price. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing, I mean, if I was going to put a lithium battery in, in a boat that I was going to use, you know, a couple times a year, maybe a, you know, canoe at the, at the lake that I'm going to rip around for a couple hours and take her for a joy ride and, you know, pound the bank for a couple hours, maybe that battery is going to last me for a while. But if I'm going to put it in a boat, you know, I've got a 238 warrior, I love big water. I take big, long trips where I'm driving 10, 12, 15 hours one way. It has to work. So what we're finding is our customers really appreciate that extra level of attention to detail, durability, you know, build it to last forever, uh, that kind of approach. Um, it just goes a long way. But, it, you know, on the flip side, it just costs a little more. And that's, that's never going to change. I mean, I think everybody can relate to if it's really cheap, it's probably not the best. And if it's really expensive, somebody probably put some extra time and effort into uh, justifying that cost. If they didn't, they won't stay in business for very long. This episode of the Jable Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is a one-stop shop retailer with all your outdoor needs covered. Shields has all the top brands on inventory in every department and a knowledgeable staff known for great service. With over 30 locations across the country, you can find the nearest store by going online to shields.com. If you can't get to a store, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So once again, head to shields.com for more detailed information. That link is in the description of this podcast. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be 
to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much, the North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov jobs. sure I'll get some questions on that too, good ones, because when I wrote that down as a note of like, you know, we should address cost in this, you know, before our last conversation and before the feedback I got from it, I, I might've been one of those guys that maybe, um, you know, maybe I assumed that more people had a problem with how much they cost, but I didn't get that at all. I think people that have the budget for this just want to make a good decision and 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 buy buy a good one that's going to do the job and not you know what I mean like I I I think people that are in the market for this which is more people than I you know you know than than maybe I realized in in the industry I just I I really honestly I just love getting the feedback and it's just you know even people that don't you know admittedly probably don't fish all that much but they just they just don't want any headaches when they do go that one, two or five times a year when they bring their family and their kids. Like, like if they have to worry about, you know, a four year old, you know, lead acid battery that kind of powers a few things that they have to rely on to do stuff. You know, it's like they've probably been snake bit a time or two where they had the jumper cables out in the boat at the boat landing and their wife is there. And, you know, it's embarrassing, whatever it is. But like, man, I feel like, understanding where the cost comes from is kind of the bigger picture that I think is, I think that is super valuable. And I love that description. And I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of ask you a question this way, because you've been in the industry a long time and I'm hoping to get a fishing story or two out of you in this regard. But, you know, you, you've been in the industry, you've been fishing on a high level. You've been fishing with people that fish on a high level all over the place. You've been in the industry a long time. You've, you're seeing this technology in real time. You got your hands on it. That's what we're talking about. I want to kind of hear from your perspective, you know, even beyond sort of the problems that lithium batteries maybe solve for us. I think there's also great opportunity in it. What are some stories you can tell that maybe put a smile on your face for, you know, things that you did 15 years ago uh, that, you, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, it, it's crazy to think how far we've come. I mean, the, the first thing that jumps to mind for me is, and I'll point out right off the bat, I was a lithium auger detractor hater when they first came out. I was a strike master, three horsepower solo, let's punch holes till, you know, we run out of gas and our ears are ringing. And when they first came out, I was like, nah, man, that's never going to work. That's never going to replace, come on, a three horsepower solo mo- you know, motor that just rips high RPMs. And fast forward to today where it's to the point now when you're on the ice and you hear somebody start up a gas auger, I'm personally, my head snaps like <laughs> yeah. in that direction. Like what, what's that? So in just a very few years, you give people a better mousetrap. 
right? So lithium has completely changed ice fishing from an auger perspective. Um, lithium has completely reinvented sonar on the ice. Um, I used one of the, uh, the first um, panoptics bundles on the ice uh, back when Garmin was first kind of experimenting with it. And it took two motorcycle, lead-acid motorcycle batteries to run it for any amount of time. It was, it was interesting technology, but actually using it was miserable. It was so heavy and so cumbersome that if people hadn't found lithium to replace those lead-acid batteries, I'm convinced that the advancement of forward-facing sonar and ice fishing would have never happened. There would, there would be diehard guys that would be dragging this stuff around in a sled, right, just for, you know, to be able to move it around. But the the average guy, the you know the the ninety percent consumer base, would have never been willing to carry around batteries that weighed twenty five pounds just the batteries, right? So you're looking at a forty pound setup out there on the ice that would have gone nowhere. And lithium, you start talking about what does it take to run like a nine inch Garmin and forward facing sonar? I mean, we've got thirty two amp hour batteries now that I can put in the palm of my hand. They weigh 4.8 pounds and it'll run that forward-facing sonar unit for a weekend. Don't even have to shut it off. So it's crazy. My, my point being, lithium caught up, what just came on the marketplace. I'm a big believer in the old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. And as soon as people realize that, man, this the lead acid batteries, they're just not going to be able to do what we need them to do. I mean, there were lead acid powered augers for 20 years, right? They just they just never took off. You can punch like six, eight holes. They were super slow, they were heavy. Boom, lithium comes in and now you can't even buy a gas auger from most manufacturers. And you're seeing the same thing uh, out there on the water, in the boats. I mean, five years ago, eight years ago, I would rig up my boats and I thought I was, you know, pretty cool cat if I had three fish finders on that boat and none of them would be bigger than seven inches, right? Maybe two on the dash, one on the bow. That I'm, I'm the coolest cat on the river today. Fast forward to today, you've got guys that have four, five, 12 inch plus, you know, graphs with forward facing sonar and, and, you know, mega 360. That's just impossible to do with lead acid batteries. So I know there's a lot of guys that aren't loving on uh, forward facing sonar. Uh, but for the guys that have really embraced it, they know those advancements would not have been possible if it wasn't for lithium batteries. They go hand in glove. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of peppering you with questions that, that, you know, helping us and talking about addressing solving problems or solving issues, solving, you know, all the everything that, um, you know, we're trying to figure out in our own little in our own little garage in our own little setup in our own little situation. But big picture is that like, it's not just a problem solver. It creates potential. It gives us opportunities to do things that weren't even a thing like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, especially 20 years ago. And there's other things that could probably fit that category, but man, this is the one like lithium power augers. The, the I mean, I, I think it's going to continue to um, uh, have influence. I mean, a couple of good friends of mine, PJ Vick, um, guides out on Lake Erie. Uh, Brett Walzer, um, guide on uh, Green Bay. These guys have, there's no kicker motors on their boat, yet they troll almost every day. They've, they've removed the kicker motor 
and have so much faith in lithium power that they power that boat while trolling with nothing but their bow mount trolling motor. I think you're going to see more powerful trolling motors. I think you're going to see, well, this isn't even, you know, me looking into a crystal ball. There are already small electric outboards uh, that have come out. Mercury released one um, that from by all accounts works really, really well. I mean, just think of that quiet power, um, you know, and no rattling on the transom anymore, um, just runs off the battery power built into your boat. So uh, you're starting to see a lot of the smaller four-stroke, two-stroke motors um, go by the wayside, you know, uh, yard equipment, um, uh, trimmers, edgers, those kinds of things, weed whips. Those are all electric now. Uh, they were they were two-stroke motors five years ago. And the batteries are getting so good. I mean, we're in, you know, I live in Minnesota, and the thought of using an, a battery-powered snowblower three, four years ago, I would have laughed at it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody on my block owns a uh, anything but a, a, a lithium battery-powered snowblower anymore. So uh, we're going to see the technology continue to evolve. People are going to get really creative with, you know, utilizing it. It's such an energy dense power source that it, like, you know, one of the first things I said is when we started this interview, lithium batteries make all the cool stuff work. And when I say cool stuff, I'm talking about the sonars and the, you know, the forward facing sonar, that stuff is, you know, on the front cover of the magazine without the lithium batteries, none of it works. I thought one that, you know, may, maybe this is a talker, you know, you brought up your setup uh, 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 last time you were talking about, uh, <clears throat> having multiple or like four 12 inches in your boat and, and how you power your own personal setup. I thought maybe, maybe I could ask you more on that to kind of detail, you know, even right down to the wiring and, you know, and the batteries themselves and just kind of reiterate that and sort of explain your setup. It's kind of a top end setup and it might be a really good picture to paint for people that either have something similar or want to have something similar or just kind of, you know what I mean? It kind of, kind of describes the whole setup in a, in a modern day, like cutting edge boat nowadays as it pertains to you know, the setup, the electronics, the wiring, the batteries, the location of everything and how it all works. And maybe just kind of bundle up a really, you know, like a state of the art setup in a boat nowadays. Is that something we could go after? Absolutely. So I'll, tr I'll try to find some brevity here because we could talk about this for a long time. But uh, so I have a 238 uh, Warrior, uh, 400 Verado. And then um, I'm running four Hummingbird Apex 13s, one 12-inch Garmin, um, forward-facing sonar, a live scope, and then Mega 360. So my starting battery is 180-amp-hour Norsk Lithium. And then I have a house battery, same battery, 180-amp-hour uh, house battery. And both of those are charged by my outboard. So I have a, a battery isolator. Uh, that diverts current, you know, depending on which battery needs it more. And, and then uh, uh, what that does is it keeps both of those batteries pretty much topped off. Uh, I mean, when you get up on plane with that 400 horse Mercury, my starting battery is receiving 40 amps of current to charge it back up. It puts back juice fast. And the cool thing about lithium batteries is they actually like they like the higher charge currents. So on the house battery and the uh, starting battery, 
I never get anywhere close to drawing those batteries down because anytime I move from one spot to the next, I'm recharging them. So on my trolling motor, I have three 100 amp hour 12 volt batteries that are rigged in series to make 36 volts that power my bow mount trolling motor. And this, these batteries are the original prototype Norsk Marine batteries. So they don't look anything like the current iteration, the, the Norsk Guardian batteries, but I've been running them for, this will be my fifth year. And I'm kind of doing a durability test here. Just beat the heck out of them, run them hard. Uh, they've been all over the country and they just keep going. So I'm probably not gonna replace those anytime soon. And then something that I've added to my boat that I think a lot of people will find really interesting is I added three DC to DC chargers. And what a DC charger, a DC to DC charger is, it's a very small device charger that takes excess current from your starting battery and diverts it to your trolling motor battery. And it does so in a very controlled amount of current. So I've got three of these, one for each battery that powers my trolling motor. And when my, uh, um, that big outboard is done recharging my starting battery, that current is diverted to my trolling motor batteries. And what's just awesome about that, because I like to fish big bodies of water, I never have to charge my starting battery, my house battery, or my trolling motor batteries. I was up on Lake Nipigon uh, last June for eight days and uh, there's not much for resources there. Uh, it's kind of at the end of the road, so to speak. And due to the fact that I was making long runs back to our campsite each day, when I arrived at the campsite, all the batteries in the boat were fully charged before we got out of the boat and ready to go the next day. So there's just some really cool stuff that people are doing that allows, I mean, we will never have a boat that doesn't need to be charged once in a while. If I'm fishing a small body of water, I'm not making long enough runs to really, you know, recharge all the batteries in the boat. But on big bodies of water, I, my boat is set up to the point where I really don't ever have to put it on a charger again. Uh, now I'm converting gas to electrical energy. So it's not like a, it's not a free lunch, right? But uh, in that scenario, it just works phenomenal. And these, uh, these DC to DC chargers, uh, the ones I put in my boat, I found them on sale for 130 bucks a piece. So for under 400 bucks, um, I added a charger for my trolling motor batteries that essentially runs off the big outboard, uh, the current provided by the outboard, and I'm never short of power. So you're going to hear more and more about that. Uh, people um, installing these DC to DC chargers, you'll probably see uh, boat manufacturers start to do this as standard equipment because they're so cost effective and they work so well. So at you know high level glance, that's how my boat is set up right now. And, um, you know, big body of water, I'm not looking for an extension cord at the end of the day. It's pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That blows my mind. I feel like that's going to blow a lot of people's mind. Like that makes so much sense. You know, some of this technology I wouldn't have even known existed. You know, you, you could have said that you could have said that in like a multiple choice, like which one of these things is real. And I wouldn't have even known what a DC to DC, you know, charger was. So that is a great explanation. But, you know, and, and you were talking about that battery isolator coming off of, uh, you know, your, your main outboard, you know, into that 
when you're when you're charging or cranking battery is full, um, then it, it it sort of starts bringing it over to the house battery. Is that something? Is that is that its own component? It, like like is that something that you you wire in in line? Is that something that the new motors have? I mean, that's a, maybe a dumb question. I just don't know what it is or how you get it. Like the battery isolator, is that something? You know, is that its own little thing? It, it, it is, but what's going to surprise you is a lot of the uh, uh, high-end boat manufacturers that are building bigger boats are probably already have one installed in your boat, and you don't know it. Like it's it's standard equipment on a lot of the you know the twenty-foot fiberglass boats. It's standard equipment on my Warrior, um, where they they expect that guys are going to need a second battery. Uh, I've talked to a lot of anglers that have called us and said, "Hey, I'm you know thinking about." Uh, you know, adding a battery isolator and, you know, my first comment is, why don't you go check to see if you already have one? Because you might, depending on how the boat is. And the battery isolator is great because what it does is, um, I mean, there's there's different features. So this isn't universal, but most battery isolators will do two things. It will keep two batteries isolated from each other and and fully charged. It will basically divert current from one to the next. Who needs it the most? And it will also allow the use of different battery chemistries. So one thing you should never do ever, um, it, it, it's like universal failure uh, is to connect like a lithium battery directly to a lead acid battery. Because the difference in voltage, the lithium battery will try to equalize voltage with the lead acid battery that runs at a much lower voltage and you end up with one or potentially two damaged batteries. So the isolator sits in the middle and make sure that that doesn't happen. So you could have a lithium um, house battery and uh, with a with the right battery isolator, you could run a lead acid starting battery and you won't have any issues. However, if you were to connect those together, just wire them in parallel, you will, you're gonna have a problem. So battery isolator, another uh, item that is not terribly expensive. Most of them can be obtained for a couple hundred bucks and uh, they're pretty, it's pretty straightforward to install. So it, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you're going to go to a house battery, uh, can you know take into consideration that uh, battery isolator. Uh, it'll make sure that the setup really works well. You're going to get the longevity out of your batteries. Uh, it's going to take that current coming from that alternator and send it where where it needs to go. Yeah, dude. I mean that those are insane problem solvers right there. And and think about the opportunity that it opens up for the guy that you know, is maybe starting to be more of a destination angler, you know, for the first time, you know, maybe it's like the first big boat somebody gets, you know, usually that, usually that's a turning point in, in, in an angler's career, you know, cause it, you, you have the ability to go beyond just your home body of water or the lake you might live on or, you know, and you get your first big boat. Like these are the conversations, these are the topics you know, the, the, these are these items that people need to hear about and, 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 and the scenarios people need to hear about, um, you know, when they're in that sort of category. And coming out of COVID, a lot of people were buying, there was a lot of nice boats got sold at that time. And I think a lot of those nice boats got sold to people. It was their first nice big boat, you know. And uh, so that's why these, the, I think these topics are so popular. I just do and, and we're starting to see, we're starting to talk to more people that are, aren't running giant boats. Uh, it could be a 16-foot tiller boat uh, where they want to recharge, say they got a 24-volt system on their trolling motor. And, you know, they got a lead-acid battery in the back. They're not running very many graphs. They know that the alternator on their 
uh, their 60 horse motor, say, recharges that starting battery within minutes. And then essentially the alternator just kind of goes to sleep. It's, it's the voltage regulator tells it, hey, that battery doesn't need any more current. Let's just throttle things back. But if you add a couple DC to DC chargers, even then a 16 foot, you know, tiller boat, you can recharge your trolling motor batteries uh, for the cost of, you know, two DC to DC chargers, probably get that done for 250 bucks. And you see the same benefit as the big guys. So, I mean, while most of this is being done in larger boats right now, we're talking to more and more guys running, you know, very reasonable boats that are adding these features because they're not terribly expensive. I mean, if you have any chops at all, rigging boats, you know, um, wiring boats, these are not hard to do. And it just, it makes the boat so much more user-friendly. It extends your runtime. You're not worrying about, hey, where can I plug in? Um, you make a long run, end of the day, your batteries are, you know, they're pretty much topped back off or they're, you, you've shortened the amount of charge time you need considerably. Yeah, that that's really meaningful. That's that's mind blowing. My it's either my ADD or just my excitement over these conversations. I, I have a really hard time narrowing down, you know, uh, uh, like what we're talking about. So I'm still all over the place. But I feel like over time we're gonna continue to cover this stuff. But I appreciate it. I appreciate all the stories, James. And we're good on time here. So unless something has popped in your head or anything like that. So yeah, if if nothing else, if nothing else, let's promote it. Uh, uh, your stuff. Your if anybody wants to reach out, if you're cool with that. Um, there anything like that uh, let's close it out yeah so uh, just one point i want to make um, i want you to have me back after icast this summer so icast this year is the, the 15th through the 19th i think or 16th through the 19th uh, give me a week or two to get back from icast have me back on and the reason i point that out is we've got some really cool stuff coming stuff that nobody's doing that is really going to i think uh, catch the, uh, um, the the marine world by surprise, and I'm I'm going to want to talk to your people about that. Uh, the fans the fans of your show, um, I think you're going to be just absolutely blown away because there's some things that we're going to release at iCast that I've never seen before, and it works super good. So that'll be fun. And then uh, in, in, you know, as we close this out, I want to thank you for the invite, and I will extend uh, the invite to anybody listening. If you've got any questions, um, you know about battery isolators or DC to DC chargers or lithium batteries in general. Um, you know, I, I work for Norsk Lithium and you can connect with me. Just shoot me an email, letter J.Holst, H-O-L-S-T, at norskpower.com. And I will do my very best to make sure that any questions that get sent my way get answered completely. That's it, James. Man, I appreciate it. I said... I said if we had a little bit of time, I'd maybe hit you with some fishing questions. I'm gonna save those for next time. I got them written down right here. I'm not. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna spill the tea. But next time, I promise everybody listening, I'm not gonna have James Holston again and not ask some fishing questions. So get ready for that <laughs> next time, brother. Uh, I promise I have not forgot how. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. Right on. All right. Well, I'll let you go for real this time, James. I appreciate it. 